Let's hear some of that movie chat. Credits roll by and I tip my hat. Credits roll by, I wanna know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, tell me who did that. Life in the credits is where I wanna play. Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about movies by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan. And I'm Ben. Today we'll be discussing the film The November Man. And joining us today is our special guest, executive producer Jason Cherubini. Welcome, Jason. Hey, Jason. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. This We're is, excited to talk to you. This is very much our <laughs> pleasure. So yeah, thanks for joining us. Let's get right into it. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do, Jason? Yeah, I'm um, the co-founder and CFO of Dawn's Light Movies. We work primarily in the made-for-TV and straight-to-streaming space. A lot of those B-action movies that are wonderful for a rainy Saturday afternoon. That's awesome. I love yeah. those kinds of movies. Yeah, I love. My brother and I, growing up, we would watch lots of B-movies together, so they're always fun to go back to. Yeah. Yeah, that, this is exactly my wheelhouse. This is, this is really awesome. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more. What are some of those projects that you've worked on? Yeah, um, we do a lot that goes to Lifetime, things like Stepmother's Secret, things like Sisters for Life, Deadly Dating Game. I mean, take the word deadly or fatal in any number of combinations. <laughs> That's, you know, a lot of what we do. We've also done Money Plane, Blackwater, uh, Altitude, some of those Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, Kelsey Grammer type action mm -hmm. movies. Again, wonderful things to catch Saturday afternoon on Hulu or on Netflix yeah. and really enjoy them. Yeah. We also uh, recently rewatched Money Plane and we had seen it before, but another really fun movie, just yes. like entertaining, lots of just great action sequences. It's yeah. exactly as fun as you want yes, it to be. Yeah. Yeah. That was one. Luckily we had everyone basically on the same page going in on yeah. that. It's just going to be fun. That throwback mm. to some of the like 80s where yes. you didn't take yourself too seriously. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things in the last, well, probably since like the Born Identity and those started coming out. Action movies and those thrillers have all gone very dark, which is yeah. in some cases was a wonderful change. It was very realistic and gritty, mm -hmm. but sometimes... I just want to watch Lethal Weapon. Right. Or I just want to watch one of those where they say the witty line after mm -hmm. something blows up. And you're like, that's so not real, but yeah. it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's pure escapism, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. I, yes. I just want to watch something fun while I'm folding laundry. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, exactly. It's kind of the same reason people watch reality TV. It's just like, I just want to escape. I just, you know, I don't want to think too hard. I don't want to be too emotionally upset. I just want to have, I just want to watch a movie and have a good time. <laughs> exactly. So you've mentioned a few of the projects you've worked on. Are there any you can go on into more detail about kind of what your role was and what your day-to-day -day was like on them? Yeah. So coming in for a lot of these on the exec producer side of it and with the ones that we produce directly, I handle a lot of the boring office stuff. Yeah. So it's a lot of the filing for our permits, for our tax credits, um, making sure we have our contracts sorted out with our talent correctly. So a lot on that packaging side. And then, God willing, not never being needed again, but yeah. when problems arise, when things pop up, being able to step in and help. Okay. Cool. So is that normally what an executive producer does or does it change from project to project? 
I think the executive producer title, I mean, also probably associate and co-producer as well, mm-hmm. are the most versatile titles. Mm-hmm. They can mean almost yeah. anything in this industry. It can go from it being a pure vanity title that somebody invested some money and they want to see their name on the screen, mm-hmm. um, all the way to you're actually doing a lot of the packaging and a lot of the overview of the project and heavily involved. Yeah. And almost anywhere in the middle. So if you end up looking at IMDb or on a project and there's 37 ex- executive producers, each one of them probably just wrote a check. Yeah. That can be all it takes. Or again, in other cases, it may be somebody was bringing their team or their relationships. In some cases, some bigger name producers or directors will take an executive producer title to give a little oomph to a project. Okay. Totally. Yeah. For instance, I, I remember seeing uh, the movie Hero, which came out probably around 2000 ish, I think, uh, maybe a little bit after that. But Quentin Tarantino is a executive producer on it. He didn't really do anything on the film. He just wanted the film to get a, a more eyes on it. And so by just adding his name to it, it elevates it to a yeah. wider audience. Yeah, that can be a big thing. I think Spike Lee just did that with Son of the South. I think it was something that just came out in the last year in the same way. Wanted it to get more attention and more Mm -hmm. coverage. And that's a way for them to bring value with really just signing their name involved. So again, it's a very versatile title and doesn't have a very, this is exactly (laughs) what it's going to be. Yeah, that's fantastic. What was your path for the career? And, you know, what, what's your background experience? How did you get started? I actually fell backwards into film. It was never in my mindset on where I would be going with it. I was finance and accounting, did a lot of consulting for startups, which then got me into some of the tech space, into some of the ed tech space, into some video games, which then is right next to film and media. So that's kind of where I came into it. And then even in the film side, we started off purely as financing, looking at basically helping some productions get made, or we more focused on finishing funds. So projects that had been shot, but didn't have the tools to make it through post or to get through the quality control. So that's kind of where we entered into it was a lot of those short-term lendings. And then after being involved with it for a little bit and having seen a lot of the same problems pop up with these smaller independent productions, that's where then we decided to take a more active role and get involved more with the production itself. Because a lot of those problems could be avoided Yeah, if it was viewed early. It seemed that a lot of the problems were not very, I don't want to say not very well thought out. That's probably the wrong word. Mm-hmm. It's thinking in the wrong areas. Okay. It's thinking on, hey, what's the most artistic? What's this viewpoint? What's this story I'm trying to tell? Where there wasn't as much thought on what are the logistics of yeah. finishing getting this made? What are the logistics of what's going to add value? And that we can then get it to a position where people are going to want to distribute it, that people are going to want to click on it and say, yes, I want to watch this. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So maybe you can walk us through a little bit uh, deeper on that. Um, I'm curious about the finance side of the film industry. Will a producer turn to a company like yours and say, hey, we need additional funding for this project? And at what phase do you guys normally get involved? 
at this point, we're almost only very early on. Okay. And a lot of what we do now is only our own productions. There will be some okay. into external productions. But when we started, it was in those finishing funds, it was they had a movie in the can. Mm-hmm. So I essentially see. it was sitting there and it wasn't made yet. From a business point of view, it was wonderful. It was low risk, high return on that. But from seeing it from the filmmaker side, that's not a position you want to be in. Right. You've got your movie shot. It's sitting there. You just don't have the ability to turn it into a movie. Yeah. And that that's a tough position to be in. So the more we can now in talking with newer filmmakers, the independent filmmakers is having the plan in place that you don't get caught there. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. That's smart. Is there a big difference between, at least from your experience, executive producing on a, t- a made for TV movie versus something that goes to streaming? Is there a difference in terms of how those projects get to where they're at? The big difference between a lot of those is looking at, uh, we look at it more from like a risk profile, but it's an okay. uncertainty on what's going to be there. Okay. So if you're going to watch, we'll say Hallmark Christmas movies, yeah. so it's not the lifetime ones we do, but basically the same model. Yeah, same idea. You know exactly what it is. Yes. It's going to follow these exact storylines. You're going to have the same caliber of actor in there. In fact, they normally have a lot of the same mm-hmm. people repeating. Mm-hmm. And there's a given level of quality that's expected. Mm-hmm. But if you go astronomically better than that, it's not going to give astronomical more demand. Right. In the same way, you know, you don't want to be below that, but yeah. you have that range that you're going to operate in. When you then flip and you're going to a feature that you're going to release to either theatrical or to streaming mm-hmm. where you want to build up a demand, you want people to watch it, it's outside of those, this is a cookie cutter. Then you need to really think of, okay, how do I get more people to care? How do I get more people to click through? And especially now, we always talk in a lot of it that, oh, you're putting out a good movie and it's better than the other movie. You're not just competing against movies. That's in the modern age. I think the hardest thing is you're not competing against movies. You're competing against reruns of The Office. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, folding laundry or doing whatever, and you're putting something on, you not only have, oh, what new movies are there that I could try? It's what old movies are there. Mm -hmm. What TV shows, what TikToks do I want to watch? Yeah. I mean, go old school. What book do I want to read? So it's really, what are you doing that's going to separate it enough that somebody is going to, when flicking through Netflix or Hulu or whatever, have enough attention to go, ooh, what's that? Yeah. That they stop. And then it's enough that after they've stopped and look at it, they're like, yes, I'm going to click play. Mm-hmm. And that's, in uh, talking with the general populace on things like that, those are some pretty big jumps. Yes. <laughs> you have to get the attention to get them to commit the two minutes or so to watch your trailer to see what's there and then say, you know what, I'm going to give these people an hour and a half of my time. Or if you're still transactional, I'm going to give them an hour and a half of my time and $10 when I can go watch South Park for free. And I know I like that. It's a trade-off on those two things. Yeah, absolutely. As an executive producer, how do you decide what projects get greenlit? We often look at what 
we think it's going to cost to get made, which is always a part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what are those benefits? What What's going to get it out there and get demand? Um, and big parts of that from both of the sides are, what are our main selling points? So in a lot of the action movies we do, it's things like, okay, contain locations, airplanes, submarines, yeah. things like that, that sure. it makes it easier to film, easier to make. And mm-hmm. you can do a lot of good stories in that. And I mean, whether or not it's us and independents or big studios, there's lots of good contained stories, contained yeah. action, contained thrillers that can be made. And then it's where can you drop in talent? Because that's we are in a lot of ways moving away from the Hollywood stardom of the past. Mm -hmm. We're not away from it. It's still there. And that's talking about what's going to get people to stop and watch a movie. Oh, that's somebody I know. Yeah, that's what's there. Um, So where can you bring them in? Who would fit in what roles? Um, How long would you need them for in that? particular movie to be there right and then of that what then can you sell it on what is going to be the extra oomph that happens to be there to get people's attention that's when we did money plane um both edge adam copeland and frazier were both brought in because in the following year we were expecting comebacks for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term edge returning to the wwe right which he did and Frazier returning to, oh yeah, Frazier. Yeah, uh, Kelsey yeah. Grammer returning <laughs> Kelsey, to Frazier, yeah. which we were off by about a year on. Mm-hmm. But, but in yeah. either of those cases, they're all over the news. Mm-hmm. They're all over their perspective areas. And every time they talked about Edge's return to the WWE, yeah. it was recently starred in the movie Money yes. Plane. So those are hooks that we can see extra benefit, extra mm-hmm. mileage on um, that adds to that value. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I, we have a couple friends that when we mentioned money playing to them, they're like, oh yeah, the edge is in that movie. I've been meaning to watch it. And like, they knew about it because they are wrestling fans. Yeah, exactly what you said. So, and that's, I mean, it's, it takes a little bit of a gamble. Like I said, mm-hmm. it didn't work with Kelsey Grammer. I mean, he was wonderful in everything. Yeah, he we, was were, great. we were hoping that they were announcing the Frasier reboot at about the same time. But that's, you know, that's the trade-off. When we Mm -hmm. did Blackwater years ago, it was right before Jean-Claude Van Damme was doing the Amazon Jean-Claude Van Johnson. Right. And it was having him and Dolph together. It was, Mm -hmm. I think, the first time they had been allies on screen and however in a day. So it it gives the media some extra little hook Mm -hmm. that... Again, it's then out there. Um, In marketing, there's a philosophy called the rule of seven, which actually came out of Hollywood from the 40s. And that's somebody needs to be exposed to something seven times before they choose to act on it. So if you just hear about something once, ah, that's passing. Mm -hmm. When you keep hearing about it, you'll make a decision. Yeah. Um, And that's even big studios now. That's the, hey, we're going to release the poster. Then we're going to release the teaser trailer. Yeah. Then we're going to release trailer one, then trailer two, then trailer three. And you see that they're building up these points of contact that before you even have the opportunity to say, oh, I want to watch that. You've been exposed to it 
a half dozen, a dozen times. Mm -hmm. So your mind is like, I know what that is. I'm making a decision to then choose. It's not hitting you out of nowhere. Right. Very cool. We let our Patreon supporters ask a question of our guests. And uh, this week, our Patreon supporter asking a question is Tim. So there's, you know, the the executive producers, which are normally the business side, right? Versus the creatives, the director and the actors, the writer, all that stuff. There's so many stories of productions in Hollywood of those folks butting heads. And sometimes that turns into a great movie and sometimes it, it hinders a movie. His question is, how do you guys work together to make sure that everyone's rowing in the same direction? I think that's a communication thing. Mm -hmm. And I think even that, what you said, and there's the stories of the butting heads. I think some people come into it with animosity. Mm -hmm. They come into it expecting butting heads. That's the communication they go into. That's mm -hmm. the way they go into it. And it doesn't help. Despite what, you know, people want to say, nobody wants to put out a bad movie. No, of course. Everybody <laughs> wants to put out the best yeah. possible thing you can. Mm -hmm. Of course. But where you then start running into is constraints. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's the problem where the communication comes. If it's a constraint that's put on creatives without an explanation or without what the alternatives or mm -hmm. what the repercussions are. I think that can then become problematic right on one of our made for TV movies. And we were working with a director and DP we've worked with before, and they had this absolutely wonderful idea for a shot. And they were going to do like a trailing shot up and around on the crane to get an overhead to then show this crowd of people and, it was beautifully thought out and beautifully mm -hmm. explained, and it would have been a wonderful shot. But then walking through, uh, okay, we're going to need this equipment. We're going to need the crane. We're going to now actually need to fill a theater with people. This was before COVID. Right. Which are all going to cost people. Or you don't do the fancy shot. Yeah. You then can cheat it with a dozen extras as opposed to a couple of hundred. Mm -hmm. We save all of this money here which then allows us to do all of these other things you wanted to do. Yeah. So it's a, what you're saying is beautiful and I understand it, but that's going to blow our budget. Mm -hmm. And if we blow our budget, we can't do all of these other things. So do you want to do that one shot? Yeah. It's going to cost this enormous amount of money. Or do you want to be able to do all of these other things that you also want to do? Yeah. And kind of that's your trade-off. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's, it just shows the importance of having both of those kind of sides of the brain. Like you, like you want people who have these grandiose ideas. So you get a really cool movie, but also have to make sure you can execute it in a way that's going to be a good movie. Cause if you had spent all that money on that initial shot, the rest of the movie probably would not have been very good. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's actually a push we do with a lot of our directors and DPs. Yeah. It's uh, you know, in the early stages, the shot list stuff, it's, this is what we need. Mm -hmm. These are the shots we need. This is what you have to get. Yeah. After that, if you want to be creative and we can make it work, mm -hmm. we are all for it. Right. But yeah. We need certain shots. We need enough that mm -hmm. at the end of our shoot, when we go in the can, we have enough that the editors yeah. can put together a movie. Right. After that, if you want to do trial and error, you want to do cool new things. Mm -hmm all game but yeah. do that with our extra time right do that on the day that we're going to be wrapping early yeah. not on the day where we're already into overtime everyone's already tired and miserable and right. you're like hey let's try this extra thing yeah perfect 
And it is a, it's kind of a different kind of creativity figuring out, all right, this is all the stuff you want to do, but here's how we make it work and, you know, turn it into a package that we can distribute. Absolutely. Do you have in your career, just a favorite moment where like, oh, this is so cool. This is what I get to do. Or a moment where you're like, I cannot believe that this is what my job is right now. <laughs> a favorite one. And it's more, it's nothing glamorous. So oh, that's, that's okay. Off of Those it. are usually better stories anyway. Yeah, always like <laughs> So we're filming a couple of pickup days on Money uh-huh. Plane in um, Los Angeles. And it's, we've got Thomas Jane and we're about okay. to do the end shootout scene and all yeah. that. And big, yeah. whole big thing, he's cooking pasta and all this. So- He's doing that. Thomas Jane is cooking the pasta and then we break and Andy Lawrence, the director is choreographing and showing this fight scene um, and kind of how it's supposed to go. And Thomas sitting there is just like, I'm a little hungry. Take some of the pasta he's making, makes himself a plate of food. <laughs> and he's just eating the food instead of hanging out and yeah. I mean, absolutely the most down to earth guy. But Andy Lawrence is like going this, this fight yeah. scene, this and, Thomas Jane is just sitting there eating and you're like, <laughs> this is the most surreal setup. It's, some guy is, you know, hungry. So he's eating food, but yeah. it's the Punisher. And then Andy Lawrence from recess is now directing, you know, going around with finger guns. And you're like, where, what is this industry? How did I get into this moment right now? That's, That's a funny. really good story. I hope he was um, all done filming with the pasta that he just ate. Yeah. It, but again, it was work one. Wonderful. And there's it's those type of things that you're like, oh, this is in some cases normal people, but in yeah. really weird settings, right. it can be again, I think surreal is the right word. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, so this is how movies are done. Right. right. Yeah. A bunch of crazy people with cameras. I got it. That's so funny. Because <laughs> when you, you know, when you're about to shoot a fight scene, what you want to do is eat a big plate of spaghetti <laughs> before you, you do got it. a carbo load. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, what advice do you have, Jason, for people who are interested in getting into, you know, either the executive producing of films or just the film industry in general? The film industry is very much a, I'm going to say small industry. It's it Networking is huge. Reaching out, getting in contact with people and not in the like, I'm trying to sell stuff at you way, but actually reaching out, talking to people, seeing what people are doing, um, doing what you can to get to know. Um, one, to get your foot in the door, but then to advance it further down the line. Because that's there's people even now that we worked with in small roles four, five, six years ago, thinking one who was working in our props department on a movie way back altitude, another who was scripty on Blackwater, who now have moved up and they're directing and screenwriting and looking to get stuff made. And love helping and love being involved but it's people who were known made themselves known have stayed in contact so i think it's a lot of that really focused networking yeah to get there and getting on sets and that's i think huge because that's hey i'm here i see what's going on i'm meeting all of these different people and knowing what their jobs are and what their involvement is so it's not a magic bullet. I don't think there is one in this industry. A lot of it is FaceTime, being seen and seeing other people and getting there. I think most of what you do after that, that can opens up all the doors. But no matter where you're trying to go, I think that's a huge step. Fantastic. 
So we are now going to talk about our featured film. And today we're discussing the 2014 action thriller, The November Man. The screenplay was written by Michael Finch and Carl Gajduzic and was based on the book, There Are No Spies by Bill Granger. Um, it was directed by Roger Donaldson and stars Pierce Brosnan and Luke Bracey. So Ben is going to give us a really quick breakdown of the film, and then we're going to jump into a discussion about it. Yeah, so The November Man, it's about uh, Pierce Brosnan plays a uh, ex-CIA operative named Peter, and he is actually um, brought in on a very personal mission, and um, he actually has to go up against his former pupil, uh, Mason, in a deadly game of CIA espionage and Russian spies and all this stuff. So. <laughs> Essentially, what happens at the beginning of the film is it opens up and uh, the both uh, Pierce Brosnan as Peter and his partner Mason are on a mission. Mason kind of botches it and Peter retires. It's sort of this is an interesting film because you don't really actually know what's going on about until about two thirds into the movie. Um, but essentially what's going on is there's a a uh, politician who's in line to be the next Russian president. And he has a big secret um, that the CIA is involved in. And Pierce Brosnan is trying to protect this woman, Alice, who is connected to the secret. And we don't want to give too much away. But it's a very interesting film that pits Pierce Brosnan as an ex-CIA agent against the CIA, in, in particular, uh, this Mason character. And it, it's a very uh, interesting film. If you like spy thrillers, check yeah. it out. So, Jason, you chose this movie for us mm -hmm. to watch today. Why did you choose The November Man? Mostly selfish reasons. It was <laughs> one of the first movies that I remember seeing that fit the model that we ended up following. Okay. okay. Um, and it's one I, I saw it before anywhere into film or, yeah, I think it was about a year after it came out, got into film. And this okay. was always the one in my mind yeah. that really was the commercialized type movie uh -huh. that fits that Saturday afternoon action yeah. movie, those real popcorn movies, then what can be done with them when they're done well? Right. Because um, when I first saw this, I saw this on Netflix mm -hmm. and flipping through and I saw it's a Pierce Brosnan movie. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard of this. Yeah. And again, this is 2014. So you're used to seeing everything advertised for the right. big screen. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard of this. And I sit and I watch it and I'm like, that was a pretty good movie. Yeah. And so a couple of years later, when we're doing films and stuff, that was always what stuck in my mind. It was, this is a way you can do a movie, a good action movie that you can bring in somebody in that, that case, Pierce Brosnan, probably shot for a couple of weeks of the whole thing. Right. Probably there a little bit more as I think he also produced it. But involved with it, you can make this movie, tell this story around it and do things people want to watch. So yeah. again, from a purely archetypal setup, I think it works really well for the modern independent action mm -hmm. movie, or in this case, spy action movie. Right. Totally. And, you know, it, it's interesting to got Pierce Brosnan, of course, famous for being James Bond. Right. And also Remington Steele, not American, right. <laughs> to play a CIA agent. Um, I thought for sure he was going to end up being a spy, you know, go for the other side. And that's what the thing about this movie is it really keeps you guessing. Yeah. Um, and for most of the part of the movie, Susan and I were trying to figure out what was happening and why, because this is not a movie that spells out its plot in the first five minutes and you're into it. This is the one that sort of slowly reveals stuff and makes you assume a lot of things, but then there's twists and turns. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it is a fun movie. 
Yeah, it definitely had that like classic action movie feel when I was watching it. I was totally. like, I feel like I'm watching a movie like on my couch in a house I grew up in, like with <laughs> my family. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, you know, I have an older brother who, you know, that was our thing growing up was like we would watch action movies, you know, mm -hmm. in the 80s and 90s when things were a little more fun and less realistic. Um, and, and this is certainly has more of that feel than the, like the grittiness. Although there are gritty moments mm -hmm. to this movie. There's one where for a little while, I thought Pierce Brosnan was going to turn out to be the villain when he's uh, threatening his partner's uh, lady friend who, yeah. who he was just hanging out with. So it was, it was sort of an interesting, interesting uh, film. But I, I love that, you know, this really stood out to you as a film. Like, this is the kind of stuff that we can make. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, and it is a genre that I feel like, uh, like what you said, people weren't really making them anymore. Uh, action movies had changed a lot. So there was a space to come back to this type of action movie and start making it again. Especially now, and I feel like people are consuming so much content now mm -hmm. um, through streaming that there, there's a, I'm sure it makes it more competitive, but it also means there's a space for something to go in there. So Yeah, there's a lot of areas, I think, where things to come in. And I think yeah. when you get to people like Pierce Brosnan in this one or you know, other actors that are known, you can either have them very easily slip right into the shoes yeah. they've always had. Pierce Brosnan as a spy takes nothing. Yeah. To yeah. And it's and already for sold. me to see him as a spy, it's right. nothing. So whether yeah. or not it's um, he's James Bond or this mm -hmm. in the November man, or you go to the Taylor of Panama or. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. There's, I mean, just a pile of them. Yes. It's, so naturally it fits. You can either go that route. Okay, they fit that role. Mm -hmm. Or you can just throw caution to the wind, have them play totally off type. And that's interesting as heck too. Yeah. Um, not to keep going back to our films, but that was uh, Kelsey Grammer as mm -hmm. the mob boss. It, right. The closest thing we had on that was Sideshow Bob. Right. Beyond that, mm -hmm. it's Kelsey Grammer with a machine gun. So right. I think you can go Razor? two ways with a lot of these <laughs> yeah. actors who have been known. Are they going to go the route that they can easily do? Mm -hmm. Which there's nothing wrong with that. That's how right. they made careers. That's what people know and like them as. Mm -hmm. Or you take a go a complete 180 on it and you see these people who are talented actors who can do more than that little niche that they became famous for do other things go into these other areas and sometimes yeah. that's incredible as well mm -hmm. what did you guys think of the the story in this film are the twists believable were they easy to follow or was it confusing i liked them i always like twists though yeah. um especially when you're watching a thriller i mean um but i mean i think they were you could follow them yeah well, one of the things I liked on this one from the storytelling point of view mm -hmm. was it was almost multiple stories that yeah. then kept intertwining. Mm -hmm. um, I think going a little bit to like TV type stuff, that's the Game of Thrones. That's the mm -hmm. multiple point of views. I felt this in the story kind of did that. You had Pierce Brosnan's point of view. You had his protege's point of view. You had the Mira, the female's yeah. point of view later on in the film. And so you were you could kind of jump to these different stories and where I think a lot of the twist was a, uh, wait, I'm seeing this from someone else's point yeah. of view. How does this work? Yeah. It wasn't just a, Hey, I'm watching this linear story. Oh wait, something I believed was wrong. Yeah. It's more, a lot of the misconceptions, at least in rewatching it the other day when I did, it was a, even knowing what happened, it's, Oh, that's why I thought that the last yeah. time. 
it's I was seeing it thinking this was the way this went, but mm-hmm. like you said, Pierce is the villain. I a hundred percent the first time through was like he's gonna be the bad guy. Yeah, they led me on he's the good guy through half the movie. Right. Oh crap, we're doing one of those. Yeah. And it it could have been that way. It yeah. just wasn't the way they ended up switching it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that you know, that unpredictability makes a movie really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm glad you suggested this because this is the first time we've seen this yeah, movie. Yeah, same thing. I had never heard of this movie before. I don't exclusively watch action movies, but I feel like I keep up pretty well. But yeah, I'd never seen this one before. So yeah. I'm glad you pointed it out. Um, did you have, do you have a favorite scene from this movie or like action sequence? I actually really like the scene where we were talking about Pierce going to be the villain. I yeah. think that caught me so off guard. Um, especially the first time watching it and you're like, is he drunk? Is he the bad guy? What is he willing to do? What is he not willing to do? Yeah. That, and it wasn't that it was heavily action. It was a lot more suspense in that, Mm -hmm. but that caught me sitting there going, oh wait, am I completely wrong on all of this? Which again, that excites me when seeing it and starting to go back over everything that happened before and it's like, did I miss it? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's, you know, go back to the sixth sense and all these people who at the end were like, oh, you knew it was coming. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Yeah, Maybe I'm the idiot. <laughs> I had but no idea. Like went and watched it back immediately. And I'm like, oh, I missed that. I missed that. Right. I missed that. So you start playing in your mind. You're like, what did I miss? Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, there is that scene at the beginning of the film where <clears throat> you first meet them and they're, they're meeting at the cafe in like the very first scene. And he foreshadows that where he's like, you know, you can't, have personal relationships because people use them against you mm-hmm. yeah um, and then of course that's exactly what happens but i love it when movies i love it when things are unpredictable mm-hmm. and it's like my favorite things like um you know when you're watching like the joker in the dark knight for the first time you don't know what's going to happen or when you're watching like the mad max movies like they're so wild and crazy just unpredictable stuff is going to happen and i think that's very exciting yeah one scene I really liked, this is a really short one, but when Mira goes to the reporter's house, the uh, writer's house to kind of hide out, I was like, oh, why is she going there? Someone's definitely going to follow her amb- in ambusher. I was not expecting the female assassin to pop out of that room. I was like, whoa, what? She was already here this whole time. <laughs> and maybe I should have seen that coming, but I did not. That was a very good, almost like jump scare for me in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Towards the end of the film, you know, the, the assassin gets knocked out. Yeah. And then Susan's like, wait a minute, she's just leaving her at the train station? <laughs> yeah, wait. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that and a couple of the around the corner ones, yeah. a couple of those hits i'm just like okay i'm yeah. not sure that's the way that works but <laughs> i'll take it right yeah that's why these movies are so fun because yeah. you can suspend the realism of it and it doesn't matter like yeah. i don't care that you know cutting a gas line and shooting a bullets at a car doesn't make it explode it's mm-hmm. exciting for the film yeah. so yeah. just let it happen yeah jason who would you suggest uh watch this movie i think it's people who like the action in the spy genre who like some of the twists and turns where it's not a straight shoot 'em up but it really is going to get a little bit more into the nuances of what's going to be there and kind of keeps you guessing a little bit mm-hmm. totally and susan yeah i think anyone who likes action movies um especially classic ones but just like also if you're just like i want to turn my brain off for a little bit and just watch something fun that i don't have to i mean you have to think about this a little bit because of the twists and turns but if you just want like a good distraction a good way to take your mind off of stuff that's going on i think this is a good movie to watch and i'll add to that if you're a pierce brosnan fan check (laughs) it out because he does a great job yeah 
We like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling I Spy, the Spy in Films Gone By. Yes, I'm having fun <laughs> with this one. We're going to see how well both of you know spy films. Jason, you're playing against Susan. So here are the rules. I'm going to take turns reading the title of three films to each of you, but two of them aren't real. They're spies. You have to name the real one. And if you're wrong, the other person gets a chance to steal. I have seven real spy films for you to identify, and the first person to name four correctly will win our prize. And Susan, what's our prize? Our prize is a Life in the Credits t-shirt, so we will mail that to you, yeah. High stakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Jason, would you like to go first or second? I'll go first. Fantastic. All right, so the first round are James Bond films, okay. so you have to identify the real James Bond film. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Is it From London with Malice, The Man with the Golden Gun, or Yesterday Was Forever? The Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> and I'm talking about Christopher Walken. That, of course, is a Christopher Walken film. Uh, very good. That's one point for Jason. Susan. Yes. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. You had to find the correct Jason Bourne film. Okay. This right. I might be able to do. All right is the real Jason Bourne film, The Bourne Supremacy, The Bourne Conspiracy, or The Bourne Scorned? <laughs> it's The Bourne Supremacy. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. You guys are tied at one point. All right, Jason, back to you. Identify the correct Mission Impossible film. All right, is it Mission Impossible Disavowed, Mission Impossible Face Swap, or Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol? Uh, ghost protocol that is correct you guys are on fire all right two to one susan back to you yeah mission impossible face swap sounds like like an hgtv spy show or something yeah starring nicholas cage yeah, yeah it would be awesome <laughs> which one's the real film false truths mr and mrs smith or nuclear brunette oh the real one mm -hmm. it's mr and mrs smith correct yeah. that is right all right jason back to you which one's real Sailor, Major, Minister, Spy. Tinker, Tailor, Soldier, Spy. Captain, Trooper, Marshal, Spy. Tinker, Tailor, Soldier, Spy. Yes, that's right. All right, you guys are got them all right so far. There's two left. <laughs> Susan, back to you. Okay. Is it the man who knew too much? The managerial candidate? Or the viaduct of liars? Which one's real? Is it the man who knew too much? That is correct. Okay. That is one of the very first spy movies ever made. Uh, it's actually a uh, Hitchcock movie. Okay. Guys, here's the deal. Are we tied? You're tied at oh three God. each. Is this the last question? This is the last question. So I need you to do, this is a timed round. So I'm going to name the three, but the first person to yell at the okay. correct answer will win our game today. So it's like a high stakes. Rapid fire. This is a sudden death. Okay. So just shout it when you know it. Shout it, even if I'm not done reading them. Okay. Shout out what you think is correct <laughs> as soon as you hear it. <laughs> All right. Are you guys both ready? This is the intense portion of the show. Dude. That's right. <laughs> the stakes are could not be higher. It's the last 15 minutes of the movie. Remember, this is for a t-shirt, guys. You gotta take it very seriously. Yeah. All right, here we go. Red Finch. South by Southeast. Or the man from Uncle. The Man from Uncle. That is correct, Jason. 
You have won our prize. You've won Very the game. Nice. What was the first one you read? Red Finch. Okay, that sounds like it could be. Is there? There's a film called The Red Sparrow. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Very good, Jason. Well, nice job. <laughs> thank you. Watch too many movies. <laughs> no, that's good. You guys are on top of your spy films. I, I say that not during each of those questions. I was scared. Being like, oh my God, I'm going to embarrass myself. No, you did great. <laughs> very, very good. Well, before we let you go, Jason, is there anything that you would like to plug? Well, on Netflix right now, we have Hostage House. And on OTT platforms, we have Rogue Hostage. Okay. Sticking with a hostage theme for those. Perfect. And then coming up on Lifetime in the Not-Too-Distant Future is going to be a stepmother secret. So oh. any of those are... You know, yeah. depending on what your flavor is, it gives you a little variety. Nice. That's um, awesome. Does Lifetime have a streaming service or do you have to catch those on TV? Lifetime Movie Network has a streaming okay, cool. app for it. Okay. Make and sure. a lot of those end up also through Hulu. Okay, cool. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a real pleasure to yeah, talk to you. Yeah, it was great having you. Thank, thank you so you. much for having me. Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner. And me, Ben Bloom. It's executive produced by Michelle Levin. The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSounds.com. The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin. If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com. If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Because when you, you know, when you're about to shoot a fight scene, what you want to do is eat a big plate of spaghetti <laughs> before you, you do it. You got a carbo load. <laughs> <laughs>